You guys ready to get to it? Today we're going to talk about when the king stayed home. When the king stayed home. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. And then some time goes by. We come to chapter 12, verse 29 and 30. It says, so David gathered the rest of the army and went to Rabbah, and he fought against it and captured it. David removed the crown from the king's head, and it was placed on his own head. The crown was made of gold and set with gems, and it weighed 75 pounds. David took a vast amount of plunder from the city. Okay? I'm going to connect all that here in just a moment. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for bringing us to the end of another year and the beginning of a new one, Lord. I thank you for everything that you have done and everything that you are doing and everything that you have still yet to do and working out in our lives in a very active fashion, Father. We thank you for that. Thank you for this word this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will speak to each and every one of us. Jesus, let us have a true moment of encounter with you, God, not just some ideas, more than just some, some philosophy or some thoughts or some good intentions, Lord, I pray that we will meet you together in this place, Jesus, as we look at your word in Jesus' name. Will you put your hand on your belly somewhere and repeat this after me? Say, Jesus, speak to me today. Open up my eyes. Open up my ears. Let me see what you want me to see. Let me hear what you want me to hear so I can do what you want me to do and be everything you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, bless this time. Bless the offering as it's given. God, today, bless this moment, God, with the richness of your presence. In your name I pray. Everybody said amen and amen. All right. So between 2 Samuel chapter 11 and second, uh, verse 1 and, and the last part that I read there, those last couple of verses of 2 Samuel chapter 12, two years or so, have gone by in David's life where we're going to talk about some of the things that happened in that gap. I'm not going to read it all. It's a little too much. If you make sure you sign up via text to the Red Life reading plan, you can find details at redlifechurch.com. You'll get filled in on the gaps there so you know I wasn't just making this up this week, God, if you guys follow along with that. we got this two-, three-year period in David's life where basically – Things really fall off the rails for David for a little while. I love in Scripture that God in his infinite wisdom shows us these great, amazing heroes of faith like David who killed Goliath. David who was described by God himself as a man after my own heart. David who would set up the lineage where Jesus as king would be born through. This great hero, this great patriarch, this great pillar of, of the faith, of both, both the Jewish faith and Christianity and of the church, David. It not only shows David the hero, but God shows us David the man and David the hot mess, if we're just being honest, okay? Amen, somebody? 
How many are thankful that God shows us examples of people that he uses to do great and mighty things and calls heroes of the faith and yet lets us know that these men are not perfect men and that God can still work his plan and his will and his way through people who are greatly flawed and greatly imperfect. Amen. I know for all you very good, perfect, uh, Holy Ghost filled people this morning, you don't need that. But Justin Bradley needs that in a very big way. Amen, somebody. Were you amening that I need it, or were you amening that? Okay. Uh, <laughs> David, David decides where it says it was, it was the time for kings to go to war. For whatever reason, David decides to stay home, and then there's this crazy things that happen, and then we read in chapter 12 where it takes two years for him to finally join the fight and get back to where he was supposed to be. We're going to dig into that and, and the details of that derailment in his life in just a moment. But I want to talk about why was it that David stayed home? Because for whatever reason, David decided to stay behind. And to be honest, it probably started with that, that decision where David's derailment started with an innocent and logical enough decision. Okay? If you read 2 Samuel chapter 10... And if you know anything about David's life, you realize and you'll know very quickly that from the time David kills Goliath when he's about 15 or 16, David has been at war. In fact, David had been such a man of war that when God birthed inside of David the desire to build the temple that his son Solomon would later build a couple of, a couple decades later, God told David, he said, you're going to get the plan together, but... David, there's too much blood on your hands. You've been a fighting man your whole life. You're not the one to build this great monument to my name. David's been fighting his whole life. 2 Samuel chapter 10, David has been on a campaign fighting and chasing down these same people. See, here's the thing. They're in this position. They're in this constant conflict with the Ammonites. They're always victorious. They have them subdued. They have them won, but they're, they're, still, they're still causing trouble. Anybody got some things in your life that you've mostly got licked, but it still kind of shows up once in a while and gives you some problems? Come on, somebody. Anybody got, ever dealt with some issues that, like, you've got it taken care of, but it still bothers you way more than it should bother you at this point in your life? And you just feel like you're chasing. That's where David is. David's been chasing these people around, trying to, trying to finally end this conflict and take this and put this thing to bed. And he's been doing it now for about a year, and he's been living this lifestyle of war and, and battle just constantly. I mean, his whole life, from, from the time he slays Goliath, He's, he kills so many people in the next few years that they sing of David. Saul has slain his thousands. David, his tens of thousands. It's been his whole life. He has spent his whole life. He spent about 15 years running and hiding from King Saul, who was trying to kill him and waiting for his time to ascend the throne and for God's promise to be fulfilled in his life. And then once he takes the throne, he has to, he has to go on other battle campaigns to, to bring safety and to, and to bring safety to the land that he's been charged. He's at this whole. And I just imagine that innocently enough, this time rolls around where it's time to go fight again. And David is just like, dude, I am worn out and I'm tired of fighting. And David decides, 
I'm just going to stay home this year. Joab, who's, who's David's chief general, says, Joab, you take the army out, and I'm going to stay behind. And when I explain to you all of the things that likely led to that decision, we can all agree seems okay, right? Many of us might think, hey, David, you've earned a rest. David, you've got, you know, the Lord says you've got to take a Sabbath. We would find scriptures to back up the decision. We would find all kinds of spiritual reasons of why that was a good thing. And many times it may be, listen, I'm not knocking rest. We need rest. That's a spiritual thing. And all of those things make sense. All of those things seem to be the right thing except for this one little phrase. The Bible says that it was the time for kings to go to war. God operates in seasons and in moments and in times and there are moments in life where God will say, this is the season, this is the moment for this, this is the time for this, this is the day for this. And, and, and if I stay home, if I say no thank you, if I delay, guess what? That season may pass and I don't know when the time for that thing may come again. Let's go all the way back to Exodus. It's an eight-day journey from Egypt to Canaan, the promised land. When Moses parts the Red Sea and God leads the nation of Israel through on dry ground and defeats Pharaoh at the same time, God says, now turn and go to the promised land. I've given it to you. The people get scared and say, mm, I don't know if we can do it. They delay, they don't respond, and they wander the wilderness for a generation, 40 years. And it is 40 years before God speaks again to Joshua and says, it's time once again, turn and go north, take the land I've given you. What I'm trying to say is this, that when there is a season or a moment where God says to me, get to this place, do this thing, when it is time for a king to go to war, a commander just won't do. When it is the season for kings to go to battle, the commander cannot fill the role that the king is supposed to. And I got news for somebody this morning. There are roles, there are moments, there are seasons, there are positions, there are jobs, there are things that God has in store for you and for your life, and you are the only one that can do it. You are the only one that God has anointed and ordained to be in that moment, to be in that place, to be in that thing. Dads, you are the only father that he has ordained to raise your children. Come on, somebody. 
I said, you are the only father that God has ordained to raise your kids. You are the only person in that position that God has ordained to have that authority. Moms, it's the same for you. And listen, when the season is for me to do the thing, a commander won't do, a teacher won't do, a government official won't do. Come on, somebody. A boss won't do. The internet won't do. You t- I've got to be in the place God has called me to be when he has called me to be there for that moment. And I just, I just, I just, I just really feel like on this last Sunday of the year, I really feel I need to encourage someone and let someone know, listen to me real close, mom, dad, business leader, whatever it is, whatever your thing is, listen to me. It's not time for you to stay home yet. It's not time for you to stay home yet. It's not time for you to give up the fight yet. It is not time for you to stop pursuing that thing that you're believing God to do. It is not time to give up. It is not time to quit. It is not time. It is not. Don't you dare look at the end of this year and think to yourself, man, I've been edited a long time. It's time to take a break. It's not time to take a break yet. Don't you dare stay home. Don't you dare do it. And this is what I got to do. This is what I got to do. Listen. Don't let weariness keep me from where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there. Don't let and give in to the temptation to allow tiredness and weariness and being worn out. Keep, take a break. Take a breath. Rest up. But don't you let it stop you from being where God has told you to be when he's told you to be there. Because what we're going to see here in just a few moments is that when I stay home and it's the time for me to be somewhere else, all kinds of things can get whacked out of my life. So David decides to stay home. It makes sense. It seems like the right thing to do. The very next verse, the Bible says, David, while the army was fighting and while Joab was leading the troops that David was supposed to be leading, David's walking around the roof of his house and he sees this smoking hot lady taking a bath named Bathsheba. David says, Thank you, Lord. I don't know what he said. I don't know how he justified it in his mind. Problem is, Bathsheba, David's a married man. Bathsheba's a married man. Bathsheba's married to one of David's most loyal warriors named Uriah. Did I say Bathsheba's a married man just now? Okay, I knew, I I heard the murmuring, and I thought I must have said something off. (laughs) Bathsheba was a married woman. That really changes the story here, uh, if that was the case. Anyway, um, <laughs> Bathsheba is married to one of David's most loyal and trusted, trusted soldiers. In fact, Uriah, David, David 
kind of the way that his, his, his battalion was set up is David had Joab, David had his generals, but then David, you can read about it later on in 2 Samuel and in, 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 in the Kings and Chronicles, David has what was known as the mighty men. There were 30 men that were known as David's mighty men. They were men that were with him before he was ever king and fought for him to have that throne and were loyal and were fiercely loyal to everything David. They just knew that this was where God had called me to be to serve this man of God, and that's what they did. Uriah was one of those men. So most, most of us know this story. David sleeps with Bathsheba. Bathsheba gets pregnant. David goes, oh, we got to cover this up. So he brings Uriah home. He tries, he tries to fix it. He says, Uriah, get home. He brings Uriah in from the battle line. Remember, he's supposed to be at war the whole time. Brings Uriah in. He says, Uriah, why don't you come? Let's hang out a little bit, man. Let's drink. Let's have a party. Uriah and David get drunk together. David gets Uriah drunk. He says, Uriah, why don't you go? He says, man, why don't you? He says, man, it's been a week. Man, you've, been, you've been sleeping on the dirt with all them other smelly, nasty, disgusting men for the, last, for the last few months or so. Why don't you go on home and see Bathsheba? Man, you know you miss your girl. You know you miss your woman. Go on home and see Bathsheba. The Bible says Uriah leaves David's palace, but, and he goes to his house. House, but instead of going in to visit his wife, the Bible says that Uriah sleeps outside on the ground again. David hears about it. He brings Uriah back. He's like, Uriah, what's wrong with you, man? You got a hot wife. I know you want to go see her. He does it again. tries it again. Gets him drunker than he did the night before. They party. They have a big time. They eat. He says, now, now Uriah, I mean, you've been, <laughs> I know, Uriah, how you be when you get to sipping on something. You better get home and take care of it. And so he goes home, and he sends, he sends Uriah home. <laughs> I'm taking some creative license today, okay? He sends Uriah home a second time. Uriah again says, nope. I'm gonna, and he goes, Uriah, what's wrong with you? Why are you not going home to be with your wife? And Uriah says, how can I enjoy the company of my bride when all of my brothers in arms are still fighting a battle and away from their families? David, recognizing that Uriah was far too honorable to trick into helping him cover up his sin, sends a letter with Uriah that's sealed, says, give this to Joab. Joab opens up the letter, and it says, send Uriah to the front line, and when the battle gets in the heat of it, pull everyone back so Uriah falls. Now David has committed adultery, has made a baby mama out of Bathsheba, has tried to cover it up, failed, has plotted to commit murder against someone who was loyal to him fiercely, and not only that, has now involved Joab and other people in his crime. We know that Joab knew about it and knew exactly what David was doing because in the story, in the few verses later, when Uriah falls, the Bible says that Joab gets a messenger to send David back the report of the battle that day. And the messenger asked Joab, says, says, what am I supposed to say to David? He's going to be super ticked off about how many people we lost. And Joab said, you tell him the number, and then you say, and Uriah has also fallen. So that that would be the hidden met Joab, he would know, oh, you're just, this is what it took. So now, not only have you done all those other things, now you've also cost the lives of other people who never had nothing to do with it. 
All because you decided to stay home. When it's time for the king to go to war and the king decides to stay home, all sorts of things go awry. And it's the same thing with our life. And I'm not saying we're kings. What I'm saying is that when it's time for Justin Bradley to be somewhere and to do something and I decide to stay home and tell God no thank you, I'm opening myself up for all sorts of derailment in my life. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> now, just real quick Cliff's notes here. Not only this, that's all the immediate stuff that happens. David deals with this decision for decades down the road. Years after God, God, God puts this all back together. Guess what? Solomon, David's successor, is the son of David and Bathsheba. God redeems it. God fixes it. It all gets put back together. But, man, there's a few years where things are real tough. Come on, somebody. Thank God he is big enough to work his plan out through my rebellion and my silliness. But don't make any mistake. This was not God's plan. This was God fixing what I jacked up or what David jacked up. Hello? Can I, can I just say, I, I, know, I know it's, we don't have the, we don't really have the mental capacity to answer this question properly, but I, I hear so many times when, when somebody's asked like, well, if you could go back and change something in your life, what would you change? And we all give this, this answer that we think sounds so smart where it's like, well, I wouldn't change anything because it, it's all led me to where I am today. Are you stupid? You wouldn't change anything because it led you to where you are today? That's ridiculous. You're telling me somebody that spent life in prison wouldn't change spending life in prison even though it brought them to wherever they might be? To Come on, somebody. <laughs> Don't think for a second that if David was able to go back and, and change that one decision, one decision to stay home when he was supposed to be somewhere else. Realizing all of the pain and all of the trouble and all the heart. You know what else happens years later in his life? Years later, years later after all of this is fixed, the, when, when David is confronted, we're going to talk about this in a second, but when David is confronted with the sin and he finally repents, God tells David, you, there's going, you have opened a door to something and there are now going to be consequences to pay. Rebellion is now going to be a part of your house. Years later, David's son, who he loves dearly, Absalom, decides, you know what? The old man's lost it. I'm the new hot kid in town. I think it's, it's, it's Absalom's time. Absalom's rebellion gets so strong that David runs for his life again from the city. David, as a young man, spent years of his life running from King Saul. And because of his own disobedience and because he decided to stay home, he finds himself now as an old man having to leave the throne for a few months and run and hide from his own son Absalom. Because the king stayed home. 
I don't believe for a moment that if David had the opportunity, he would have gone back in time and go, you know what? That was a really foolish decision. And I think I might change that if I could. Yes, God worked it all out. Thank you, Jesus. But if I could do it over again, when it was the time for me to be in that place I was supposed to be, you best believe I wouldn't stay home. Amen, somebody? And I want to point out, this is really important to point out. Don't miss this. Can you put 11-1 up there for me? In the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war, David sent, uh, do, oh shoot, I didn't give it up. Is, is verse 2 in there? I don't think I gave it to you. Okay, then we'll get to it. No, there it is. Okay, that's another part. Yeah, that part, that's what I was looking for. They destroyed Joab and the army. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Leave that up there for a second. Notice that David is still winning publicly. Hello. David hasn't lost. The battle's not lost. As far as anyone knows, everything is going great. They're winning. They're laying siege to the capital. They've got them on their heels. They've almost got it won. I mean, the newspaper articles are talking about victory after victory after victory. Everyone is still singing David's praises. David is winning publicly, but because he's not where he's supposed to be, he is failing privately. Don't make the mistake of thinking that just because everything seems to be going okay on the surface, that that doesn't mean that I don't need to make sure that I'm where God wants me to be when he wants me to be. Amen, somebody? And here's what we got to understand. The only way to understand that is this. Understand this. God is not impressed. Listen to me now. God is not impressed with what I call success. As far as everyone's concerned, as long as the army's winning, who cares? David, do whatever you want. Stay home, does whatever. But God's not impressed with what I call success. Because success in God's eyes is obedience in my life and my heart. Amen, somebody? And if I have been faithful to walk in faith and to do what I know God has asked me to do, to the best of my ability to understand it and to do it, it doesn't matter. I know it's hard, and it's hard to reason this, but the results at that point don't matter. Victory was won, number one, the moment Jesus rose from the grave. And secondly, the moment that that, that that truth began to influence everything else I did in my life. Amen? God's not impressed with David's victories. So don't be a public winner and a private. So then what happened? How did, how did God fix this? 
how did David get it back together? How do we go from 11-1, he stays home and all the things that happen, and then we read verse 27 where he shows up and ultimately gets the victory over the city and wins the victory. Well, the first thing that happened was God sent this guy named Nathan who was a prophet. It says, Nathan the prophet went to David. And he tells David a story. He says, King, he said, there was a shepherd there was a shepherd, and his family didn't have much, but they had this little sheep, and they loved that sheep, and they took care of that sheep, and it was like a pet for them. They did everything they could for that sheep. But he said, then the landowner where the shepherd leased the lamb from came and saw that family's sheep, and the landowner decided, I can take that sheep. This whole thing belongs to me anyway. And he took that sheep, and he slaughtered it, and he fed it to his family. He said, what would you do to the man, King David, that would do such a thing? David says, bring me his head. Pretty much. And Nathan looks at the king and says, you're the man. You're the man. God has given you everything. And you decided to take this one thing that wasn't yours. David instantly, now, <laughs> David, this is, what, this is what makes David a man of God. This is what makes David a man after God's own heart. Listen to me. Because some of you might be feeling discouraged right now going, oh, I messed up and I've done. Listen, it's not that David never failed. He utterly failed. It's his response when he's confronted with his truth of failure. David doesn't get mad at Nathan, doesn't take off Nathan's head and send him to prison. No, Nate, David instantly repents and confesses. And says, I'm busted. I'm caught and I'm, I'm sorry. David repents. He still doesn't go to the battle, though. He repents, he fasts, he prays. The first, the first baby that took place, that, that, that baby died. Solomon comes along. David's there for this whole process of, of a baby mis miscarriage and, and losing a baby and then Solomon's birth. That's why this takes, we know this takes two or three years. Finally, David, you know, you know what else got David back on track? What finally got David, did Nathan... And the repentance, that got David back right spiritually, but he's still not where he's supposed to be. He's still not at the front line. He's still not at the fight. He's still leaving that in the commander's hands, not the king's. The Bible says in, at the end of chapter 12, Joab finally gets word to David. Joab says, hey, David, you don't get here pretty quick. I'm going to take this city, and I'm going to get all the credit. If you have a problem with that, Get out of your freaking bed and get here. That's what happened. David finally shows up. Was it God that ultimately worked this all out? Of course it was God working through it. But, but the thing that God used to get David back on track was some friends that could speak a hard truth to David's life. And David wasn't so insecure that when confronted with the reality that David, you, my friend, the king, the man, the giant killer, you are not where you are supposed to be. And instead of getting offended, instead of getting, getting upset, instead of getting whatever, David repents and responds to the truth that someone was able to give to him 
and then God begins to work everything back out. Amen, somebody? Listen to me very close. Maybe you're, maybe, maybe you're upset about something I've said today. Believe me, it will happen again. Don't let a hard truth harden an already hardened heart. When I am confronted with a truth that I don't want to accept, don't want to face, or don't want to hear, I'm already, that is already evidence that I am in a hardened position spiritually in my life. And when confronted with that hard truth, I have a decision to make. I can either let that hard truth break my hardened heart, or I can let it harden my hardened heart any, even more. Amen? And my encouragement today and our example here, guys, don't let a hard truth harden a hardened heart. Let it break it. Repent. Own that you're not where you're supposed to be and act accordingly. Amen? And you, listen, jo Joab is the man, dude. Joab has some issues. It doesn't necessarily end well for Joab, but, but Joab at least was able to speak truth to a king. Joab does it again later with Absalom. I it's one of my favorite moments. <laughs> Absalom rebels. They go to war. Absalom dies in battle at the hands of Joab and his brother and his men. David is grief-stricken, the Bible says. You can read this in about five chapters from this point. David is so grief-stricken, he is wailing and unconsolable at the loss of his son Absalom, who, uh, David, are you forgetting that this son you love so much had sex with a few of your wives and concubines in public and then tried to take the throne from you? That's what happened. It's a different time. David is broken. The men have just won a great victory and won the throne back for their king, and David won't even acknowledge the win. He only sees the loss. And the Bible says, Joab, the man. Joab comes to David and says, hey, dude, hey, 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 get up. Look at me, look at me. Wipe those tears. Joab says, David, if you don't get out of this funk right now, you are not going to have a man in your army come morning. He says, you better suck it up. Get out there and congratulate those men that just put their lives and necks on the line for you. David doesn't go, who you think you are? I just lost my son. How can you? No, David says, you know what? You're right. And goes out there and does what he's supposed to do. Thank God for people in our lives that are not impressed with anything that we have or that we are. And who will be bold enough to speak some hard truths to our lives. Family, please. And I, I'm saying this to me as much as anyone else. Don't be so insecure that you can't have some people. It doesn't need to be everybody, but you've got to have somebody in your life who can tell you the hard thing that you don't want to hear when it's necessary. And when that moment comes, don't let 
a hard truth keep you at home any longer? <clears throat> One other thing David does to get himself back where he's supposed to be. Before he, in between Nathan's moment and Joab's moment, the Bible says that David goes on a fast. David goes on a fast and he begins to just fast and pray and seek God. Because fasting begins to reposition my heart in the place that God wants it to be, a place of softness, brokenness, and surrender. We're going to begin our, we do this almost every, we've done this just about every year. And I've done this for a long time in my personal life. We're going to be going on our, we're going to have a week of prayer and fasting beginning next Sunday. Okay, well, I'm going to talk about that in a little more detail next Sunday. But I, I want to challenge you and encourage you and invite you to pray. Even this week, begin to ask God how to participate. We're going to fast for seven days from, from however you count it. I'll, I'll probably start Monday morning and, and go through Sunday after church. We're going to meet Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday next week for special times of worship, prayer. We're going to get, get after God in here as we pray and fast and seek God. It's always a special time. It's a, for me, it's just a time to kind of reflect, reset, and, and hopefully get my get my heart right for the for whatever God has for the next year amen somebody and this is how I, I'm almost done and I've probably gone longer than I intended today <clears throat> I, I just I just really sense in my heart that there's 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 both a warning and an encouragement that the Holy Spirit wants to give you this morning okay there's a warning and encouragement here in this story in this moment in David's life the warning is this, the, and I, I really sense this for, the, for this season, this, 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 as, we, as we go into next year, as we look at the next year and the calendar flips, I just really sense in my spirit that for someone, you might be online today, you might be someone in this room, I really just feel like the Holy Spirit is, is just absolutely screaming to someone right now, don't stay stay home you might be going thinking man I've been fighting this for so long I've been dealing with this for so long I'm just this, I, this, I just I'm thinking about maybe taking a break I'm thinking about taking a breather I'm thinking about thinking about maybe quitting this or quitting that I know God called me to it but now I just don't know I just it doesn't feel the same it's been so long what I'm telling you the Holy Spirit is telling someone right now it's not time for you to stay home time for you to quit. It's not time for you to give up. Don't stay behind. When the king stays home, things get derailed. Don't you do it. Don't stop pursuing the vision, the promise, the thing you've been believing. That's the warning. That's the warning. Don't miss out on where God has called you to be. And at the same time, 
position yourself to get wrapped up in all kinds of stuff that was never part of God's plan. Don't stay home. The encouraging, that's the one, the encouragement I sense again. I really feel like, I know I'm saying it kind of soft, but I feel like the Holy Spirit is, is, is screaming into someone today. And the encouragement is this. If you have maybe this past year, two, three, or however long, if you've stayed home from where God has told you to be, if you haven't, if you, if you, for what you know, you know God has said, do this. You know God has said, be this. You know God has said, but for whatever reason, good reasons, logical reasons, reasons that nobody would argue with or even question. But something inside of you knows that you have not been obedient and not been, and you're thinking, man, I have, I've wasted the encouragement is this it's not too late to get where you're supposed to be it's not too late and if I'll, I'll just be your Joab today here on the end of the let me just be your Joab for a second hey if you stay home for another year you're going to miss the victory that God has in your life. I'm telling you right now. If you don't get up, God, I feel it. Somebody, listen to me. Somebody at home, listen to me. If you don't get up right now, you're going to miss this moment. If you, you have, it's, God is patient. He is kind. And, you can, and he can fix it. But there is something. At some point, the season changes. Time runs out. And I miss the moment. And somebody needs to hear right now. If you don't get up, if you don't decide, I have sat at home long enough by God in 2024. I am getting up and getting to the place I know God is called. If you don't do it right now, if you don't do it right now, you're going to miss the thing that God has called you to do. Get up. Get moving. I know you're hurt. I know you're tired. I know you're worn out. I know you're dealing with loss. I know you're dealing with stuff. I'm not trying to negate that or minimize that or say that that doesn't matter or say that that doesn't affect you. I'm trying to say that for someone, if you don't wipe those tears and get where God's called you to go, everything that God's trying to do, it's going gonna, it's gonna to slip through your fingers. But it's not too late. It's not too late. You can still get there.